Hey everybody, that's my impression of the intro to this year podcast. Uh, this is your drum and pal, Chris Nays. Uh, I am here once again in the parking lot of my apartments, recording by myself. Uh, it's kind of chilly today, so I'm just, uh, I'm just hanging out, chilling out here in my Jeep. Uh, thought I'd throw something together for you guys, since it's been a couple weeks since we had the Jimmy, the return of the Jimmy episode. Uh, I think people enjoyed it. Always enjoy having Jimmy on the show, so thank you to him. If you ever listen to this, then you probably won't. Uh, let's see. Let's do, uh, corrections department. I believe we did not say what the Spanish word for clown is. Uh, that is payaso. Payaso. So add that to your, uh, knowledge bank. Uh... I believe Jimmy was referring to the movie Airheads, not Tommy Boy. Um, so consider Jimmy corrected. Uh, also, I accidentally said at the end of the episode that November 6th, we have a show at FUBAR. That is completely incorrect. We are not playing at FUBAR. We are playing... At a uh, house party, and the house is nicknamed the Piss Palace. Uh, I do not know where it is yet. Um, I believe Kyle does, and if you would like to know where the November 6th show is located, contact us uh, via the internet or uh, cell phones or whatever information you have to get a hold of us, and we will get you to that house. That is the next show on our docket. Um, we will be playing with Van Laden and Elevate out of Kansas City. They're pretty sweet. Uh, also, Thanksgiving weekend, Saturday, November 28th, we'll be in Chicago with Cross-Exam Smash Potato, Texas Toast Chainsaw Massacre, at uh, the Fallout. And... That is also a location you'll have to seek out uh, via the event page on Facebook. And um, we also have a show St. Louis, Thursday, December 3rd with Havoc and Blackfast. It's going to be a fucking rager. And the day after we'll be in Lawrence, Kansas at Jackpot Music Hall. Uh, we hope to see you guys at those shows. Uh, like I said, just contact us if you need any further information. We will hook your ass up with all of that. Uh, that's enough for the show plugs. Um, since it's just me on the show, I think it would be interesting to some of you to know my, uh, 
some more of my branch of Thorhammer history. Uh, and I would be glad to show, share that stuff with you guys. Um, I was listening to a podcast with Kevin Smith, and uh, a quote that I got from him is, uh, your voice is your currency in this life, and that really strikes a chord with me. Um, I think that any opportunity that I can to share some of my stuff with you guys, I gladly take that opportunity and run with it. Um, this is a very easy and enjoyable thing for me to do, even if it's by myself. For kind of freezing out in my Jeep, I don't really care. Um, it's a it's a good time for me, so I'm I'm ready to do this. Uh, let's see. I guess we'll start uh, around. I guess I was around fourteen. Yeah, that sounds about right. Maybe like. 6th or 7th grade, um, I started hearing music that was heavier in nature, and that really caught my ear, uh, my, both my dad and my stepdad were into some heavier bands, and both my both of my dads, my dad and my stepdad, would listen to Keishi. Uh, my stepdad would listen to a lot more new stuff than my dad would, but both of those... I'm, I'm the oldest son of three, and I didn't really have an older brother to show me stuff that was newer, but I did have my stepdad to show me stuff that was newer. And he would have, like, uh, the radio station in town, uh, he would have the point on, and they play a lot of newer stuff. At that time, they were playing a lot more, uh, I guess, heavier uh, bands that were like uh, Rage Against Machine, uh, I guess not as heavy, but Stoto Pilots, he was a fan of. Um, some Metallica used to be played on there. It's really not like that anymore. They just kind of go for what's popular, but uh, all of that stuff kind of struck my ear in the right way. Uh, my dad was listening to it a lot more of old school heavy metal, like Black Sabbath and Metallica, and um, a little bit of Iron Maiden and stuff like that. But that's kind of where it started for me. Um, I remember, I think I mentioned in our Metallica segment on the last episode that my dad had the Master of Puppets album sitting on his stereo, and I just saw that, and instantly I was like, I gotta know what that is, because it just looks awesome. So, when I started diving into that stuff, the internet was not where it is today. I didn't, you couldn't, on a 56k connection, you couldn't really get to everything that you wanted as easily. YouTube wasn't around, there, Napster wasn't, was, like, 
maybe just starting. I don't really know when that started. But I never really had uh, the ability to download all that stuff. So I just feverishly started collecting music and CDs and even at the time cassette tapes, which I've gotten around to collecting some again. Because I still have my, uh, I still have my tape deck and CD player combo, and I don't know a lot of people that still have that. Um, so I guess one of the first, the first two Metallica albums I got were the Black Album and Ride the Lightning. My dad already had Master Puppets, so I just listened to his all the time. And then I got Kill 'Em All fourth, I think. And I waited a bit on um, Justice, but my dad would also listen to S&M a lot. So I really dug into that stuff, and that they were definitely my first love of heavy music is Metallica. There's not a lot that compares to it, and um, just great songwriting. From there, uh, I started listening to Slipknot, and I got really obsessed with them, and they were, like, right in my wheelhouse. At that time, being a <laughs> angry teen, young teen, they, you know, some of it's sort of cheesy now, and, of course, with the masks and stuff, it's all kind of weird, but I, to this day, I enjoy it, and those albums really stick out for me. Uh, I can, I can still put it on, and I remember jumping around my room and headbanging and stuff, and we had low ceilings, and I'm kind of tall, as most of you people know, and I hit my head on the ceiling more than once, like, jumping off my bed and just being ridiculous. But I didn't have a lot of friends that were into that super heavy stuff. Um, you know, the people that grew up around me a lot of them were punkers, or they were into, like, you know, Keishi. So I didn't, you know, we couldn't relate really that well on that stuff, but eventually got into some of the punk, and it's just an offshoot of heavy, so it just, it all makes sense. But, um, you know, I started getting into Pantera. I you know, I really liked their home videos, and they got, they got me really a lot more into music, so, the one, the one band that I really, another band that I really got into was Rage Against the Machine, now, a lot of people are turned off by them because of their message, and I get that completely, but there was something about their songs that were so much different than anything I'd ever heard. So, I remember being 14-ish, somewhere around there, and I was playing soccer. And at the time, both of my parents were busy, so they would have... My mom had this shop where she sold baked goods like cookies and whatnot, and uh, she would have one of her employees take me to and from soccer practice. 
I remember this, I don't remember her name, but she, as I recall, she was super hot, <laughs> and she was listening to Raising Against the Machine's Evil Empire, and I had heard Bulls on Parade on the point, but I had never heard anything that even resembled uh, Evil Empire. Soundscape, the sound, the soundscape of that album is so grooving and uh, just a crazy eclectic mix of like funk. The bass is funky, but at the same time super heavy. Uh, I really, really respect everybody in that band, and they they come together in a crazy way. That you know, of course, once I heard that, I dug into all their other stuff. And, and the first album was even heavier than that, but for some reason Evil Empire will always be one of my favorite albums ever. Uh, I made that chick let me borrow the album. She didn't want to, but she let me. I had it for like three weeks, and she finally was like, I, I want that back. And this is before I could copy albums, so reluctantly I gave it back and eventually got around to buying it myself. Even though... Well, my stepdad was kind of uptight for a little while. He was cool, but as far as me being 13 or 12 or 13 or 14 and listening to people cursing a lot, he was reluctant. And he always took those parental advisory stickers as, like, the gospel. And I was like, no, you can't have any of that. I'm like, son of a bitch. So, anyway. Finally got that. That, that record alone was what clicked it in my head that, like, you know, some of the stuff is grooving, but there's not that many notes to the riff. Maybe I can learn how to play bass. That's where it started for me. I was, I thought I could play bass. So, or at least I thought I could stand a chance at learning some of those riffs. So, uh, I put it, I put a bug in my stepdad's ear, like, look, I want to do this, I want to get a bass, and an amp, and I want to start playing music, and I want you to take me to Guitar Center, so I can look at them. I remember he was pretty, he was kind of reluctant about the bass idea, I don't really, I still, never really asked him exactly why he was reluctant about the bass idea, but I think maybe he thought that I wouldn't take the time to get lessons or anything, so he didn't want to spend, a, you know, a couple hundred bucks or whatever and just have it sit there. And I get that. And I, I know that he grew up around guys that were playing music and he dabbled in it a little bit himself but would never put all the time into it that he could have to learn. So anyway, uh... Eventually it came around to the point where I was looking at them but I was equally as interested in the drums because for some reason it seemed a little more practical. It, it hit, and I was thinking about like notation and all that, and I didn't really want to mess with that. I, I thought like it would be a more direct path once I got drums that I could go forward with that. 
And another branch of that was I would go out to my cousins uh, during the summertime once in a while. And we went over to one of his friends' house, and they had a drum set there. And I didn't get to play it, but I at least saw them in person and saw somebody that was as young as me being able to play them. And that got into my head like, man, maybe I can do this too. Uh, and I went over to another friend of mine from high school named uh, Greg Turnbow, and... He had a drum set, drum set in his house, and he could play him, and he was exactly my age. So it all just made sense. So then I'm working, another time I was working with my mom downtown in Keener Plaza, and there was some, there was some band, cover band playing like oldies tunes, and they had a drummer who was on fire that day. And, I, and I'm supposed to be sitting there selling stuff, helping my mom sell stuff, and all I'm doing is sitting there mesmerized by this dude playing whatever song. I don't even remember what songs. I think maybe they played some CCR. That's a total guess, but... They... He was just killing it, man. He was all, like... Flipping sticks around. I just could I couldn't take my eyes off him the whole time, and my mom was on me because, you know, you're supposed to be doing this, you're supposed to be doing this, and I didn't care. I was, I was hypnotized. So, uh, all that stuff together got into my head, like, I gotta, at least, I gotta give this thing a go, because I can't let it go. Uh, so, my stepdad and I talked about it. He, we made a deal that if I got up enough money to pay for half, he would put up the other half. So I needed about a grand to get it all going, to get the things that I wanted. I thought that was about a, that was a pretty good guess. Pretty good estimate to get the set I was looking at. It was just a Tama Rockstar black kit with a Zildjian starter set of cymbals and all that stuff I would I saw coming down the road. So, I uh, got a job with a fireworks stand. It was about uh, maybe two, maybe a mile, maybe two miles from my house. I, whenever I didn't have a ride to the fireworks stand during the summer, I, during the fireworks season, so about a month time. Whenever I didn't have a ride there, I would fucking walk there. That's how determined I was to get this thing going. At the fireworks stand, I couldn't memorize the prices for shit, and that's what you have to do. So they just put me on flag duty. So we just went, it was me and a few other people, and we would go out on to Highway 30 which is a, one of the main highways where I used to live, and or around where I still live, actually. And uh, we would just wave flags around for hours, hoping to get people. And one, one of the things we had to do, <coughs> excuse me, was uh, at least one person a day had to put on a clown suit. 
And uh, you didn't have to paint your face or anything, but you had this funny-ass clown suit with a wig. I guess it was their way of ribbing us, uh, <laughs> initiating the younger kids who wanted to do it and make fun of us because we didn't, we couldn't memorize prices, but we still wanted a job. So they, I give kudos to those guys, Fireworks World and Fenton, man. You guys, you helped start, you helped hatch the seed of, uh, me playing drums and getting into music. So that was awesome. Um, during that fi first fireworks season, I saw Metallica for the first time. And it was like, all this stuff at once. Okay, this is happening. I'm fucking gonna play drums. Ain't nothing gonna stop me. Uh, end of the fireworks season, I had my half. Got the drum set. Uh, immediately started looking online. For uh, people who were interested in music like I was, uh, and that's where I ran into Josh Van Ness, who was a f the first bass player in my first band, and the other person who was in that band is Ian Rusnick, who is the bass player, and, well, he played guitar in that first band, but, um, he's now the bass player in Thorhammer, so it all comes back around eventually. Uh, so, the, the way that I auditioned, and that, basically, when I first got drums, I started just playing to records. Uh, that was something that really is how I started getting my chops together. Most records are recorded to a click, so it, to, you know, suffice it to say, it's easy to start learning how to keep a beat when you're playing along with records. Um, so I, I was doing that, playing on a lot of Metallica, and the way that I per showed to them that I knew how to play drums is I put, I put a f uh, phone on the floor, not a cell phone, a landline telephone, put it on the floor and said, okay, listen to me play uh, for the bell tolls, and nice, slow, steady beat, and I'm sure they couldn't really, it was just a, I'm sure it was just a mess, and super loud and overpowering for the phone's receiver, but they're like, okay, yeah, we got it, so that's where it all started, uh, Let's see, what else did I want to mention with that? Damn it. Nobody likes the silence. Um, oh, I did want to mention I did take lessons a little bit around that first year or so. Uh, George wanted me to do that. My stepdad wanted me to do that. So... Went to Drum Headquarters, which uh, no longer exists, but it was off of uh, Manchester downtown somewhere. And the drummer was like a jazz teacher. And he was this real scrawny dude with a funny haircut and kind of balding. And we could not relate whatsoever. All he wanted to do was paradiddles and the simplest, simplest stuff, and he asked me what I wanted to do when I first got there, I was like, I want to learn double bass, 
that was my thought process from the beginning. Is like I want to play heavy, and he's like, well, I don't really do that, but uh, we could start somewhere. So that's what we started with. Um, it didn't last long. I probably did a few months of it, and I just wasn't feeling it. And I felt like it was a better idea for me to find a band and. I will say, advice-wise, for anybody that wants to start playing music or is interested in it at all, learn a little bit on your own, and then find a band. Find a band that is sort of at the same level as you are. Uh, you guys can grow together, and that's exactly what Ian and Josh and I did. We grew together. Uh, we just jammed in my basement, terrorized my neighborhood. They all hated us. They thought we sucked. We did. So they were right. But we were having fun. That's the other thing. Just freaking have fun with it, dude. It's a good time. It is. There's nothing that brings you closer to people. There's nothing that has ever brought me closer to people. The music. Um, I Before I started playing music, I had some fucking anger issues. Uh, it's weird, not a lot of people would believe that if I told them, because I'm a pretty nice person today. But that is all due to me playing drums. I, you know, I would get in a I would get in fights with my younger, my middle brother, my younger, my brother Tyler, every day during the summer when my parents were there. We would just fight and fight and fight over nothing. I just, you know, this is what brothers do, but I took it too far a few times. And I needed this outlet. Uh, it was it was my destiny. It was what was fated to happen. Uh, I truly believe that. Um, another another quote that I read just a couple, an hour ago is uh, "Happiness is a journey, not a destination." That's, that's absolutely true. Um, me playing in bands and playing music has been a journey. Has had its ups and downs, and I will get into all of that stuff as time goes on with this podcast, of course. Um, so anyway, I'm playing with Josh and Ian, and we start getting anxious about not ever having a singer. Now, I had met Justin Poole, who St. Louis people will know, uh, in my gym class. And uh, we would listen to music in gym class. When we should have been participating, but we weren't. Uh, and I kind of put a bug in his ear that we were looking for a singer because we had gone so long without anybody singing anything. And it was frustrating. You know, we had a couple of people try and they just had no balls. Couldn't do it. Uh, he introduced me to Keith Wilson, who would become the singer of Ian and I's first band to ever play live with. We actually played one show at Club Villa in Cedar Hill without a singer. 
and nobody, it was all Metallica covers, and nobody was interested in it. They, you could tell everybody was sort of turned off, there wasn't that many people there. Um, a lot of good friends were at that show, but we needed a singer, it needed to happen. So, Keith entered the picture. Uh, he remains a good friend to this day. He's stationed in Germany, serving our country as a part of the Army of the United States. Um, and I think that's where I'll cut off the story for now, and when I can get with Rusnik for another podcast, we will get into some of the shows, some of the stories that we have from playing with Keith and Josh. And uh, hopefully I can get Josh on the show too. He is a kid now, so it's kind of hard to uh, make time for that. But we'll do what we can. Uh, not going to do a lot of plugs at the end of this. Just find us on Facebook. You can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at The Bag Hutch. You can find us on YouTube at Thorhammer Metal. Uh, please support. We appreciate you. We will see you at uh, the shows coming up November 6th in St. Louis at the Piss Palace. Uh, contact us for information on how to get to that. It's a house party. It all, Like I said, it all comes back around. I played house parties back in the day. I'm more than happy to go from playing Guar to a packed house to a packed literal house. Uh, November 6th. Uh, and we'll see you on Thanksgiving weekend in Chicago. Chicago! I don't know if that's a Chicago accent. I'm not very good at accents. Um, gonna throw a song in here? So, without further ado, Tim, start the thing. Start the fucking thing. Start it. Now. Anyway, this song is called Emma Lights Up!